As I prepared for today's message, I wondered what I might share. What might being faithful to the gift of being one of your release ministers for the last two years compel me to say? A few weeks ago, with insight from the way geese fly, I shared that I would be honking with encouragement the leaders at the front, rather than being one of them. I feel called to share, with deep gratitude and care, some observations and insights I've gained from the view at the front of the flock. Of course, this perspective is no more authoritative than the perspective from any other position in the flock. And yet, I want to share my one view, because I love this community, and I've spent a lot of time thinking about us. And I want to contribute to the life and love that, th that flows through beloved us. The first observation from my few years as a release minister is about the people. The simple and wondrous truth that there are many people in the meeting who do the work of helping us fly. Further, we already act like rotating geese, coming into leadership and moving back into the flock there's an ebb and flow of leading and contributing with more intensity and then moving back again. Some of the current birds in the front include a joyous and connected circle that meets on Tuesday to hold our joys and concerns and to let people know that we are not alone in the struggle. Elders often meet a few times a month working hard to hold the well-being of the meeting Stewards keep the grounds up, a big job indeed. Folks are working to navigate the business and human relationships with the preschool. Lynn keeps the books. Musicians prepare music and offer it to us, sometimes in person and sometimes in Zoom. This is no small feat. Friends are meeting in circles to hold clearness committees and care committees for friends whose lives are more honest, clear and accompanied because of it. Others are managing the sound and the Zoom and the continued unchartered maze of meeting in a pandemic with reopening and reclosing and reopening and such. Others are working with youth and children directly and indirectly by setting up structures for their safety. Still others are helping us develop our muscles within this community and Sierra Cascade yearly meeting to be in faithful anti-racist relationship with others and the earth. And there are many other pathways, structured or not, that friends are journeying to be with and for each other and for our community. Over these two years, I've been struck with the generosity, commitment, care, and creativity that marks our flock. And in this moment, it seems only right that I share a little bit more about two of the birds by whom I've been flying, my colleagues, Mark and Holly. First about Mark. I came to West Hills Friends after being a founding executive director of a nonprofit and later a co-director of that same nonprofit. After witnessing the courage, the shared sense of responsibility, and vibrancy that co-leadership offered, 
I told myself I never wanted to lead anything solo again. It was a high bar, and yet working with Mark has been fantastic. I came to rely on Mark's wisdom, his openness, his creativity, his ability to generatively partner with enthusiasm, his intuition, his earnestness, and his steady grounding. I think our community truly has Mark to thank for carrying us through this pandemic. I don't know other pastors who can take exquisite photos, artfully design a flyer, and run the sound and technology behind the screen while preaching in front of it. Further, I watch Mark with earnest care and welcome connect to our youngest ones, to our oldest ones, and the ones in between. In a world where we hear of ministers preaching a different message than the one they live, I can only say that the mark I've seen up close embodies an integrity and earnestness that only magnifies my hope that my children will be in that youth group with that guy, regardless of where I'm in that flock. I did not want to leave my post here without the community knowing that getting to work with my release co-minister has been grounding, courage-building, joyous, and infinitely less daunting. I know that I'm lucky to have the chance to have worked with him, and I know that we are lucky to have him with us. And I also want to share about Holly. I've watched Holly's depth of spirituality and warmth offer people in our community, me included, a steady place to land in these tumultuous months and years. Further, she is ridiculously competent. Holly's business acumen, her technology skills with social media and all things computer and internet, her ability to anticipate need, and her writing and editing skills are stellar. From behind the scenes and often without full acknowledgement, Holly enables this community to do its work. She enables us to fly. I wanted to start with talking about the people, the many birds who are make our flock possible, because when I sat in the pews for all those years, I knew less about those things. I didn't have the privilege of seeing you all up close, and I leave or return back, being changed and more in love, even in awe. Further, a few days ago, I saw a photo on a, of a chalkboard sign at a coffee shop that read, the whole world is short on staff. Be kind to those who showed up. That sign speaks to the magnification of my own gratitude to my colleagues, who are parents in what can feel like an endless pandemic, and to all of you who have contributed during these days to this community and to all of us who are showing up in our other circles and families and jobs and relationship. The world is short on staff and kindness, and I'd like to add appreciation, is not only needed, but it is warranted. Another place that I've been moved, another piece that I've been moved by in my tenure has been the yes and energy I've experienced and I hope contributed to this community. 
Over these two years, we have tried new things. We held an election day vigil. We created a get the vote out letter writing event with Bethany's heart playing. We held Quaker Depth Sundays where people from inside and outside of the community shared about Quaker commitments. We held grief and gratitudes, an opportunity to respond with art. Many of us met weekly for loving kindness meditations. We held our See and Bless Sunday for our children and church Zoom circle sharing after church, Chinese New Year celebrations, and family worship. Micah has led us in deeply loved prayer and connection groups on Tuesday, as well as spiritual companion groups throughout the week. We've held book groups and gone to marches and peace fairs and a mini retreat and an untalent show. We've sat outside around a gorgeous fire pit, delighted in a few sweet celebrations on our new community room floor, and we've hung her out around a swimming pool and baby goats. We've loved getting to see our friends in Colorado and England and Washington and Tennessee and other places near and far who would not have been with us without the magic of Zoom. We have delivered pandemic baked goods to all that we could and Valentine's gifts and godly play packets to our children, and there is more. So much more. The pandemic has blocked us from our typical tools and ways, and this community has responded with creativity and with yes. For me, this yes energy has one, been one of the most delicious ingredients in my work here. I love that energy, and I love these people. And it's also true that when I look around at my friends in the front of this flock and the ones who, in, who are in this flock who are flying in other ones, I see and I feel fatigue. A small church has so many of the needs and jobs of a big church without so many of the people. Economies of scale, the phenomenon that the amount of work and expense diminishes proportionally when bigger repeated, is not on our side. I see an infrastructure that is just barely meeting the needs of the community as we've created it. On any given Sunday, Mark and I are holding our breath, hoping that we can pull it off and that all of the folks with a job can come. This includes our generous and skilled tech folks, our rock star children's teacher, Carol, our loving and flexible child care provider, Kelly, our greeters. Even then, Mark and I often leave the service with a brain spent and tired from the multitasking, often vigilant and ready to troubleshoot and pivot, pivot facilitation of a hybrid service. And still, when someone takes a vacation, or when children or illness call for us, or when we bump into each other and possibly wound each other, there's so little bandwidth built in the infrastructure to troubleshoot, let alone to really address the need as we long to. It does not feel sustainable. It seems to me that the pandemic, and perhaps this transition, may be short-circuiting the message that we and so many churches will eventually receive. Something's gotta change. 
churches all over the country are facing or denying similar realities. According to Gallup studies, church attendance was steady for decades, hovering around 70% through 2000, declining to 61% in 2010, and to 40 47% in 2020. Data indicates that the last few years of the pandemic have intensely accelerated the decline. The word crisis comes from the Proto-Indo-European root meaning to sieve, thus discriminate, distinguish. The crises of these days, the pandemic, the racial reckoning, perhaps even our own church's recognition that the, our bandwidth dwarfs to the world's needs. This may help us sieve. The fact that we cannot do things just as we've done them before and we cannot do all we want to do may offer us a gift. It may force us to ask this question, who are we? What is the work we are called to do? In 1652, George Fox gave a speech where he asked, what can thou say? A listener in the crowd, Margaret Fell, heard his words and it changed her life. Margaret realized that she and her community were not listening to the light within and speaking from their hearts. They were getting their information elsewhere. We are all thieves, she yelled. Over the next decade, Margaret Fell attended fiercely to the light within, which led her to some uncharted territories. Territories that included her speaking clearly and resolutely that women carried the light of God and could, like men, be prophets. This is over 350 years ago. It led her to establish her home, Swarthmore Hall, as a haven, a safe and loving home for Quakers where they could worship together and feel deep belonging. It led her to receive ridicule and dissent from others and led her to prison. But it also led her to become someone we talk of today as the mother of Quakerism. May we draw strength from our Quaker ancestors like Margaret Fell, who listened to the light and fiercely responded, even and perhaps especially when it contradicts the status quo, surprising all people, even Margaret, I bet. And if and when we do this discerning work, I hope that we'll look into the culture of this community. I'd love it for us to ask, how do you experience the culture of West Hills Friends? And how might your and others' identities impact that experience? What are the pieces that speak life and joy to your soul and your body? What are the pieces that have been challenging? I remembered when Graham and I married five years ago this week, I shared with my friend Joan Shabotnik sheepishly about the fact that indeed we were going to get married, but we weren't going to live under one roof. Joan responded with joy and shared about when she and Jane, her partner, committed their lives to each other 30 years ago, 
that they didn't know any other lesbians who were raising children and building a family life. She shared that she felt the gift of having fewer cultural templates and expectations, or she called it ruts, was a gift. Instead, they had their imaginations and choice and hearts to guide them. And so she blessed our untraditional marriage with the gift of being free from traditions that did not serve. I think of this wisdom today because the template of church, especially predominantly white churches, have templates, traditions, ruts that often diminish rather than encourage the people inside of them. I want us to courageously, humbly, and even joyfully explore our culture and recognize the strengths along with the hard spots. I want us to consider that our earnest intentions do not immune us from the toxicity in the water that we drink, specifically the water of white supremacy. White supremacy is not solely about the obvious and outspoken bigotry and hatred we see, but it is about the norms we set up, the way we do things, and white supremacy culture has its own power, impact, and authorization in churches that often hold an ethic of sacrifice at its center. White supremacy culture habits, such as, the comf- such as prioritizing the comfort of white people over the equity of people with less cultural power, of being afraid of open conflict, of scarcity thinking, of seeing people's work rather than their wholeness, of overworking, these can be interrupted if they are recognized. I would love to see our community learning more about white supremacy culture and its habits in order to interrupt them and imagine and practice alternative, generative, and creative ways of being. I imagine these practices impacting how and what we do, both internally and externally, and shifting the experience of those we serve and those who serve, even and perhaps especially for our release folks and those investing most intensely in this community. In flying at the front for a while, I'm thinking and frankly wanting to ask, What would it mean if we took time to center the well-being and wholeness of those we've released, trusting that when leadership is healthy and grounded and resourced, their liberation serves and impacts the whole? How would that transform the way we compensate and treat and expect? How might that transform the work we do? Dear ones, I feel such gratitude for the gift of release ministry over these two years and for the gift of dropping back into the flock. I know more about the gold of this church, the people. I leave with joy, having loved the exploration and practice and creativity that the yes and culture has afforded. And I leave with hope that we might sieve 
we might listen to the light within and share our hearts as we venture into this new place. I love you, beloved little birds. Thank you.